Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 20, reading from verse 11. The Bible says this, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, uh, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out, in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father, your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And so, Lord, we come before you at this time in Jesus' name. And I just thank you that your spirit is here. We just invite you to come and be part of this service. Fill the house with your glory, Lord God, with your presence. As we dive into the word, Lord, I just pray that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would see things and hear things we can't see with our natural eyes or hear with our natural ears. Speak by the Holy Spirit. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word, I pray. We bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Bind every work of the enemy, every preconceived idea, Lord God. Father, we thank God that as a society, we can still celebrate Easter and gather together as the church on Good Friday to remember Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And today, above all else, in everything that we do here, we want to honor you, Lord Jesus. Be exalted and lifted high in this place. Speak by the Holy Spirit. Father, there's a desire in us to hear a word from you. Above all else, this is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, welcome to this uh, special Good Friday service. So good to have you uh, with us. So good to see the church full. You're outstanding. Unbelievable. Um, I've entitled the message tonight, He's Still Making Appearances. He's Still Making Appearances. Jesus lived for 33 years on earth. And the Gospels are an account of his life. The Gospels each recount his story from birth when, uh, to when he ascended into heaven. Uh, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, uh, you'll see that one third of the content uh, of those books are actually dedicated to the last week of his life. Um, they dedicated to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and also the ascension of Jesus. One third of the Gospels is dedicated to one third, sorry, to the last week of his life. Gospel of John is the only different one. John dedicates half of the content to the last week of Jesus' life. So we get a lot more detail in the Gospel of John, more information about what happened and, and uh, when he rose from the dead. One of the things that marked Jesus' life was his interaction with people. 
One of the things that marked his life was the way he interacted, the way he met with people and the effect that he had on people's lives. You read the Gospels and you'll see that Jesus again and again met with people um, and, and interacted with them and had these significant moments that changed their lives. Jesus met with a Samaritan woman at the well and she was never the same again. He wasn't supposed to talk to her. A, she was a woman and B, she was a Samaritan. And yet Jesus goes out of his way to meet with her and through his interaction with her, her life is radically changed. She's never the same again. Jesus went and had lunch with a, with a tax collector um, and this tax collector who was considered the least of the least, the worst of the worst. You, you certainly don't go and have lunch with someone like him, but Jesus did. Jesus made time for him and his life was completely transformed. Jesus spent times with the Jesus spent so much time with the outcasts, the people that, that he wasn't supposed to. They even called him a glutton and a drunkard. And yet every time he did, their lives were radically changed and transformed. Jesus healed the sick, he raised the dead, he set people free from demonic oppression. Whenever people encountered Jesus, they were never the same again. And what's interesting is that after Jesus rose from the dead, he continued to do the same. What he had done for, for, for three years in his, in his ministry, he continued to do after the ascension. And I believe this is significant because 2,000 years later, Jesus is still meeting with people. He's still interacting with people. And Jesus is still revealing himself to people in a powerful and mighty way. When people come to know who Jesus actually is, when, when people come to know Jesus, not as some religious figure or a historical figure or some political figure, but a God who's genuinely interested in their life, in their well-being, their lives are radically changed. Their lives are never the same again. When they, when, they, when they interact with Jesus, when they come to know who Jesus is, for who he really is, their lives are never the same again. And if we had the time tonight, we'd be able to hear story after story after story of people who didn't know Jesus, but in some way or another, they, were, they heard a message of the gospel a little bit like tonight, and, and they gave their life to Jesus Christ, and their life was never the same again, and they would never, ever go back to their old life. Gospel of John recounts three people that Jesus interacted with after he resurrected. And so what I want to do tonight is tell you their stories. And my prayer is that as we look at their stories, that God will actually speak to us about our own lives. First person Jesus appeared to was Mary Magdalene. John says, now Mary stood outside the tomb praying, as we read in our text, uh, crying, sorry. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why, why are you crying? Well, they've taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was him. Uh, Mary was one of the first people that Jesus um, revealed himself to. One of, the one of the first people he appeared to. She represents people that are broken, wounded, uh, uh, crushed in some way, marginalized in life. Of all the people that Jesus could have appeared to, he first, uh, the first person he chooses to appear to is Mary Magdalene. I mean, he could have... Uh, appeared to the politicians or the religious elite, to the guys that had crucified him. I mean, can you imagine Jesus appearing to them? Hey guys, do you remember me? <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> um, 
Jesus could have appeared to any of these. I mean, if it was me, I certainly wouldn't have picked Mary Magdalene. I probably would have gone to one of the Caesars in Rome. If you're going to make a difference, if you're going to really have an effect, uh, go to someone who's really important. But the first person that Jesus appears to is Mary Magdalene. Chooses to appear to Mary, a woman. Uh, Mary was a woman in a culture where women were not respected. Um, Mary had a past and she had been set free from demonic oppression. In fact, a lot of the atheists say, well, the, this account in the Bible cannot be credible because uh, the first person that Jesus appears to is a Mary and, Mary, uh, and Mary was a woman. And in those days, women's accounts were not respected in any way, shape or form. I think that's what confirms the fact that this was actually real. Because if you were making this story up, you certainly wouldn't put Mary's name as the first person that Jesus appears to. You'd put someone else. And here she is at the tomb weeping. And, she, and Jesus appears to her. And it reminds us that Jesus values everyone. And I want you to know that Jesus is still appearing to people who feel like Mary Magdalene. People that are marginalized, broken, wounded, weeping, hurting. People who may not feel like they're accepted. They're not like everybody else. And I don't know who you are here today, but maybe you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you don't measure up like everybody else. You're not like everybody else. You're different. Maybe, maybe there's a sense of brokenness inside of you. And, and I, I want you to know that Jesus loves you, that Jesus cares for you. And maybe your life has been filled with pain and hurt and tears. And if that's you, I just want you to know the Bible says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is closer than you think he is. Some of you may be going through all kinds of things in your life, even right now. Some of you may have been through all kinds of difficulties in your life, all kinds of brokenness and wounds in your life. And you may feel like God is a million miles away. I want you to know that God is closer than you think he is. Because his word says he's close to the brokenhearted. Something about tears that moves the heart of God. I love the scripture in, uh, in, in Exodus where the Bible, uh, God is speaking to the people of Israel or about the people of Israel who were slaves in Egypt. And he says, I've indeed seen their misery. And I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. I want you to know that the God that we serve is a God that sees. He's a God that hears. And he's a God that, concerned, that is concerned about our suffering. He's a God that comes to us in our time of need. And maybe there are people here today, you're heartbroken and, 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 and you're wounded and you're carrying baggage and your life is filled with pain and tears. Uh, only God knows the tears that you've cried in your life. I want you to know that Jesus loves you, that, he, that he's not far away and that he considers you to be important. He's close at hand. And that if you would just reach out to him, and you can experience freedom. Psalm says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And if you would just look for him, you will find him. What I like about the text, it says that Jesus calls her and he says, Mary, Mary. And Jesus knows your name. And he knows your life. And he knows uh, what you're going through, even at this particular time. And if you would reach out to him, your life could be lived differently. It would never be the same again. If you'll open your heart to him, you'll come to know who Jesus really is and your life will be transformed. Another person Jesus appeared to was Thomas. He represents uh, those who doubt, 
uh, his existence. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there, good old Thomas. Um, so when Thomas came to where the disciples were, uh, they said to him, well, we, we've seen Jesus. Thomas said to, to them, unless I see all the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails are and put my hand where his side is, I will not believe. Good old doubting Thomas. Uh, the poor guys had that, say, that name for all of his life. Uh, and I love, I love this. The disciples have actually seen Jesus. I mean, these are his buddies, you know what I'm saying? He spent the last three years with them. He says, I've just seen uh, Jesus. But, but Thomas doesn't believe a word that they've said. He says, no, I've got to see him for myself. Got to see him for myself. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of wondering whether this is all real. Kind of feels good. Kind of come to church, hear the music and the songs and you know, there's something here, it kind of feels good, but you're kind of wondering, is this all real? Is this Jesus thing real? You have some questions, some doubts, and you're not 100% sure if, if, uh, if this is all real. And if that's you, I want you to know that Jesus isn't offended by your doubts, that Jesus is not offended by your questions. He's not upset by them. In fact, he welcomes them. He doesn't think less of you because you know, you've got some questions or because you don't accept Jesus in an instant. That doesn't bother Jesus at all. What I love about Jesus, he loves Thomas enough and that he appears to him in particular. Notice what the Bible says. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them, uh, though the doors were locked. And Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me laugh a little bit because um, I see humor a little bit in the Bible. But here's, here's, here's a door. Jesus doesn't use the door. He just comes in. You know, and can you imagine the disciples? What is that? And then Jesus, oh, peace be with you. It's all cool. It's all under control. I'm here. Um, and then he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out uh, your hand and put it into my side. Um, uh, notice that the disciples are in the house and Thomas is with them. And he appears to them and then he goes straight to Thomas. Now, if I was Jesus, I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, I would have certainly gone up to Thomas myself. But I would have said something like, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. <laughs> uh, what is your problem? You didn't think I could rise from the dead? Where have you been for the last three years? Where's your faith? What's wrong with you? I love this about Jesus. He doesn't, do, he doesn't push him away. He, he, he goes straight to him and he reveals himself to him in a particular way. And he says to him, put your fingers in my hands, into my side. And then he says to him, stop doubting and believe. Maybe you're here today, you've got a bunch of questions. God, God's not upset by your questions. Don't be afraid of your questions. God, God is not in heaven going, oh my goodness, that was a real hard one. I don't know how I'm going to answer that question. In fact, if you have questions, a good thing, because it means you're an actual, you're a person that's thinking and it's great. But here's the thing. God always reveals himself to people that are seeking after him. God always reveals himself to people who genuinely seek after God and cry out to him. He welcomes the questions. Because there are answers to every one of the questions that we have. People often ask, well, what makes Christianity different from all the other religions? I mean, which religion is right? There's so many out there. How are you going to know which one is the right one? What is, what is it that makes Christianity unique? What is it that makes what we're doing this Easter weekend so unique? It's really simple, really. 
It's the resurrection of Jesus. Every other religion has gurus who have said good things and made a lot of claims, spoke about life after death. But only Jesus died and three days later rose from the dead. And if you study history, you see that all the evidence points to the reality of that. Now, there's still a step of faith that you need to take. You still need to make a decision to, to believe. But that's, but that's what makes Christianity different from every single other religion around. Thomas says, I'm only going to believe if I see him. And Jesus, Jesus loves Thomas enough to go out of his way and reveal himself to him. He could have easily said, forget about Thomas. He's doubting. For goodness sake, been with him for three years. He's seen everything that I've done. He's doubting. Forget Thomas. I'm going to move to someone else where I can actually, you know, uh, be with him and, and reveal myself to them. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus goes out of his way to reveal himself to Thomas. And Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. All you need to do is pray a simple prayer. If you're not sure about, about the claims of Jesus, if you're not sure about this Bible thing, Christianity, if you're not sure about this whole thing, all you need to do is pray a simple prayer that says, Lord, if you're real, I want to know. The last thing you want to do is get to the other side of eternity and go, oh, mate, it was, uh, it's all real. I, I, I should have given my life to Jesus. I should have taken this whole Christianity thing, Christianity thing seriously. Lord, if you're real, I want to know. It's the kind of prayers that Jesus answers. So Jesus says to him, put your finger in my hands, put your hand in my side. And then Jesus says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. There are some of you here tonight, you're searching. You're still asking questions. You're still wondering. And my encouragement to you is keep on searching. Keep on reading the books. There's more material out there uh, today than there ever has been. Uh, keep on asking questions. If they're really hard ones, Pastor Joseph's available here for you. He'll be in the foyer. Love to chat with you about any of those kind of questions. Keep on asking questions. But there are others of you, you've actually done your homework and you know that God is real. Maybe he's spoken to you in some way. You prayed that prayer, Lord, if you're real, I want to know. And God, God has revealed to you in some, himself to you in some way. Maybe he's intervened in a situation. Maybe you prayed and God answered. And you know it wasn't a coincidence. The word to you is, Stop doubting and believe. Well, Pastor Joe, how do I do that? Notice what Thomas said to Jesus. He said, my Lord and my God. Stop doubting and believe means to acknowledge who God is. Invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. I want him to be my Lord. It's not just I want him to be my Savior. I want him to be my Lord. I want to live my life according to Jesus' principles. And Jesus said to Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Another person Jesus appeared to was Peter. He represents those who have failed. If you've been in church, you know about Peter's failure. Jesus was telling his disciples that he was about to die on the cross, that they would all fall away. Peter says, not me. Even if everybody else falls away, Jesus, you can count on me. I'll be there for you, Jesus. 
Trust me. And Jesus says to him, this very night before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. Sure enough, they arrested Jesus and the disciples scattered. Bible tells us that Peter was warming himself near a fire uh, as they had taken Jesus off uh, to, to, for the trial. Peter was warming himself near a fire and a girl asks him, weren't you one of the disciples that was with Jesus? And Peter says, no way. No, it wasn't me. No, it wasn't me. Again, some, somebody else asked him, aren't you, weren't you one of the disciples? Surely you, you're one of those followers of Jesus. No, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then he was asked a third time. And the Gospel of Luke says this, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. In one of the, one of the Gospels, he says he began to curse. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crows. And the Lord turned. I love the Gospel of Luke. It's just powerful. And the Bible says, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that was spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you're going to disown me three times. Can you imagine how Peter was feeling? Can you imagine the regret? Can you imagine what was going on inside of him? The Bible says, and he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter knew that he had failed Jesus miserably and so the Bible tells us he went back to fishing. He was a fisherman. Jesus calls him. He stops fish, fishing, follows Jesus and now he's failed Jesus miserably and, uh, and so Jesus has died on the cross. He goes back to fishing. He was a fisherman before and he goes back to it. Then Jesus rises from the dead. And, I, and I, if I was Jesus... I don't know about you because you guys are more holy than me. But if, but if, I, if I was Jesus, I would be thinking, well, I just can't wait to see Peter. <laughs> like have a little chat with Peter. In Mark, the Bible says, an angel says to Mary Magdalene, says, but go tell his disciples. In other words, go and tell the disciples uh, of Jesus. And then he says, and Peter. He actually mentions Peter's name. He's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him, just as he told you. Mark highlights the fact that, that, that go, go and tell the disciples, but make sure you tell Peter as well. He knew that Peter would have been feeling pretty bad, disappointed, ashamed. So many of us think that our failures drive Jesus away. So many of us think that our mistakes, our sins, our faults, will keep us from knowing Jesus. So many of us think that Jesus will appear to everybody else, but he's not going to come looking for me because you don't know the things that I've done, Pastor Joe. And many of us think like that because our perception of God is that he's an angry God. He's a distant God. He's a revengeful God. He's a God that carries a big stick. <laughs> I've got one of those sticks in my office. <laughs> Every now and then you've got to use it. You know what I mean? But that's not God at all. God isn't shocked by our failures. He's not shocked by our mistakes. It's never about what we've done. It's always about what we do with what we have done. We can deny, we can hide, we can, you know, blame, we can medicate, or the greatest thing that we can do is take responsibility for it and bring it to Jesus. What I love about the story is that Jesus knew Peter's failure, but he still appears to him. He still goes looking for him. 
Jesus had risen from the dead. He could have appeared to Pilate, the religious leaders. Instead, he goes out of his way to appear to Peter the failure. And there's an account of this in John chapter 21. It's just a beautiful account of how Jesus actually restores Peter. Disciples had gone back to fishing. The Bible says that one day Jesus was on the shore cooking some fish and on some burning coals. Peter, realizing it was Jesus, gets out of the boat and runs to him. What do you do when you failed? What, what, do you, what do you do when you fail? What do we do when we fail? What's the best thing that we can do? Here's, here's the greatest example. Peter, he could have gone in the opposite direction. He could have said to John, keep rowing, keep rowing, keep rowing. Instead, what does he do? He runs out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. The Bible says that we, when we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is not surprised by our mistakes. God is not surprised by our flaws. And He invites us to bring it to Him. He paid the price for every single failure that we've ever committed. So what's interesting for me is the word burning coals that appears here. So Jesus is on the shore and the text actually tells us that He's cooking some fish uh, on some burning coals. And in the New Testament, it only appears two times. It appears the first time when Peter denied Jesus. The Bible tells us that Peter was warming himself near some burning coals. There it is right there. It's when, it's when Peter denied Jesus three times. And the second time is here while Jesus was cooking these fish. So if you were Jesus, what would you say to Peter? I would say to Peter, 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 Peter. <laughs> I would have said, Something like that. Something like that. I would have said something like that. <laughs> just, uh, uh, that's bad. That's cheeky. That's cheeky. That's cheeky. <laughs> Jesus says to him, "Do you want some breakfast?" And they start talking. The Bible says, "When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me more than these?" Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times. Peter was hurt, the Bible tells us, because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me? He said, Peter changes a little bit here. He says, Lord, you, you know all things. I, what I see in the text here is there's a, cha there's a shift. He says to him, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a growth that's happening in Peter. There's a, there's a shift in Peter's life. Peter doesn't say, yeah, Lord, I love you. Now he says, Lord, you know all things. I think I love you. But I, I, I'm, I'm not really sure what's really inside of me. You know what's really inside of me. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny Jesus three times? How many times does Jesus tell him to, to feed his sheep, to, to minister three times? How many times... Jesus asked Peter three times. Jesus says to him, go and feed my sheep. 
What's interesting is it was Peter that preached the very first sermon. 3,000 people came to Christ. And God used Peter in a very powerful way. And Jesus is still appearing to people. I think they've failed him. Maybe today you're here and you feel like you've failed Jesus. You're saying, Pastor Joe, you don't know what I've done. How could Jesus possibly love me? I don't know what you've done, but Jesus does. And I don't know about you, but the story of Peter really encourages me because I see a lot of him in me. And of all the people that Jesus could have picked to appear to, of all the people that he could have, that he could have appeared to after his resurrection, he goes looking for someone like Peter. A failure. Jesus isn't giving up on you, so don't give up on him and love him. Uh, Gospels uh, spend a great portion of the text on the last week of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John spends up to half of the text on the last week of Jesus' life. And among other things, they remember who Jesus appeared to after he rose from the dead. As we've read, there's at least three people that he appeared to. Mary, who that represents those who are marginalized, those who feel like they don't belong. They're not like everybody else. Thomas, who represents the doubters. Peter, who represents those of us that have failed in some way. And the Bible goes on to say that after that, he appeared to more than 500 and the brothers and sisters and, and so on and so on before he ascended into heaven. The good news is, Jesus is still appearing to people today. Still revealing himself to people who have a heart that is open towards him. So I want you to hear one person's journey of faith tonight. And I'm sure we could hear so many stories, but I want you to hear one person's journey of faith um, as they've come to know Jesus in a personal way. Thank you. In my life, I have faced and battled death and injustice more times than I care to remember. Each time, I have risen above it all, but have only recently begun to know it was by the love and grace of God. From multiple car accidents, as passenger, pedestrian or driver, to electrocution with high voltage power lines, to burns and near drownings on numerous occasions, Death has knocked on my door at least a dozen times. I've even had a part of my brain removed the year after my son was born. One thing that I have learned through my pain-riddled life is that the worst events in my life have always happened for the best reasons. For almost a third of my life, I refused to believe God could possibly exist, or I blamed him for my son suffering excruciating pains from burns to most of his upper body at the tender age of two. One evening last June, in depths of despair, I tearfully screamed to God saying, show me, if you want me to believe in you, show me why I should, show me that you exist, because I can't take much more of this. No sooner had I uttered those words did he reveal himself to me. He did so that night and continued for weeks later through events my former self could no longer consider coincidences, but rather 
a whole lot of little miracles. Having randomly attended church with my dearest friend of 40 years, I decided to attend more often. Over the past few months I have encountered events which I can only say were from our Lord and Saviour, revealing His presence to me time and time again. After some 20 years of denying His existence, I not only acknowledge it now, I hope and pray that I can follow His chosen path for me as best as I can with humility and with integrity. Until a short while ago, there were two people I would have died for without hesitation, my son and my friend who brought me to Christ. Now there are three, as I will happily and unreservedly give my life to and for the Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's all stand together. Last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John is on a prison island called the Isle of Patmos. And it's there that he has a vision of Christ and... Um, where he's told about what's going to take place in the last days. At the end of chapter 3, it's Jesus speaking, and he says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person, and they with me. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not an accident. He created you. And if you would give your life to Jesus... You will never, ever be the same again. Maybe today you feel marginalized, broken, hurting. I want you to know that He loves you. He cares about you. He knows your name. He knows exactly what's happening in your life. He's closer than you think He is to you. And if you would just open up your life to Him, He'll minister healing to you and use you in ways that you could never imagine. Jesus said, I've come to give life and life in abundance. It's the kind of life that He promises to all of us. That if, that, if, that if you would open up your heart to Him, you could experience this thing called life. Some of you say, but Pastor Joe, you don't understand. You don't understand. Some of you have d decided in your life that this is as good as it gets. Well, if that's you today, Lord wants you to know that it gets better than this if you would just open up your life to Jesus. Maybe you have questions about faith. Just reach out to Him. He, he will him reveal Himself to you. Don't be afraid of your questions. God's not going to reject you. And maybe for some of you, you've been asking a lot of questions and you've had answers to those questions. Maybe it's time to stop doubting and believe. Give your life to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. You'll never be the same again. Or maybe you failed in some way. Never be afraid of God. Never ever be afraid of God. Who cares what people think and say? What's most important is what Jesus thinks. Never be afraid of Him. Because God will never reject you. Jesus isn't giving up on you, so don't give up on yourself. God is still making appearances. But we need to make a decision to respond to Him. You see, here's what I want to do. If I can have the house lights up. I want to encourage you this Easter, don't just celebrate Easter, but experience Easter. You too can experience what these people experienced in your life as well today. So some people ask, well, Pastor Joe, what do I need to do to take that first step to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior? All you need to do is pray a simple prayer. It's an acknowledgement that, you know, there's sin in our lives. 
It's believing that Jesus came and he died on a cross, paid the penalty for our sin. And then it's confessing him as our Lord and Savior. It's saying, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And it's confessing him to be Lord and Savior of my life. When we pray that prayer and we, we or a version of that and, and, and believe and, and mean it with our hearts, the Bible tells us that Christ comes and dwells in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It's where we experience the miracle of salvation, which is the greatest miracle of all. So what I want is every eye closed and every head bowed and Christians, I want you praying. And maybe there's someone here today and you've never ever given your life to Jesus and you'd like to do that today. I want to just pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, ask you to do anything other than just put up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'd like to give my life to to Jesus. I kind of can identify with a Mary or a Thomas or a Peter and I, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up and put it right back down and I'm just going to include you. Um, in in a prayer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you here at the front. Right up at the back in the balcony. Thank you so much. If that's you, you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ and you'd like to start that journey today. It's just a, just put your hand up. Pastor Joe, why do I have to put up my hand? Why can't I just do it in secret? Um, Because this is an incredibly important decision. (laughs) And it's a decision that we make with our heart and with our whole life. And so we put up our hand. It's, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there somebody else? Thank you so much. Once you put your hand up, thank you, right at the front there. Thank you. In the balcony there, thank you so much. Is there somebody else? Christians, I want you praying. Come on, this is an important moment. There are some people kind of going, should I or shouldn't I? Or shouldn't I? We're not going to take your details or anything like that. It's just a, it's a prayer between you and God. Is there somebody else? Just one more minute. Never given your life to Jesus Christ right up at the back. Thank you so much. Thank you, right up at the back. Thank you. Just one more moment. Pray for you in just a moment. Is there somebody else? So church, come on, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give those people a clap and just worship Jesus? Let me just pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to gather as the church, those that have put up their hands. I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, they're going to come to know you in a greater in a deeper way. And in years to come, they're going to remember that they gave their lives to you on on a Good Friday service in 2023. So just reach out to them, I pray in Jesus' name. Let the Spirit of God come upon them. Father, I just pray that they would know you in a greater and a deeper way, Lord God. Protect them from harm, I pray in Jesus' name. We just want to honor you. And Father, I just thank you for this amazing congregation. And I just pray for every individual, Father, every uh, family that's represented here, every married couple, Lord God, let the hand of God be upon them. Guide and lead and protect by your Spirit. I pray this Easter, Lord God, that that more than just celebrate it, Father, but that we're going to get a greater revelation of who you are, Lord God. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Be glorified, I pray. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen.